Yeah, maybe. Maybe he went to heaven. He was a little fucker. He could have gone to hell. Welcome in to the Bro Four Squad podcast, where we're just a bunch of bros drinking beer and talking movies. This is episode 125, and I am your host, the mayor, Jeff Hornacek. Before we get started with the movie discussion tonight, let's go around and meet the fellow bros. The hero of the hour, the American hero, Nate Thurman. Now, Nate, I heard you once used a Roman candle to fight off a bear while camping. Is the legend true? Well, it started off with a Roman candle. Uh, he brought some fucking backup. Luckily, I had some fucking mortar shells that I was able to launch at him. Um, long story short, that's why I only have nine toes. But, you know, it's just your pinky toe. You don't need it that much. I don't want to call you out, but I think on pod you've told a different story before as to why you have nine toes. <laughs> <laughs> I, like want, sure. I want I want someone or I want I want someone to fact check that. I have it sounds true. I have no idea. <laughs> You're like Heath Ledger's Joker in the Dark Knight. You're like, how did he get the scars? You I know what? Know. That's an even that's an even better trope that we might have to just go with now. <laughs> Every time you tell a story, it ends with, and that's how I have nine toes. This isn't confession. <laughs> that's awesome. All right, next we go in the paint to our enforcer, Matt Geiger. Matt, is it true you once hired two private investigators and had them follow each other just to fuck with them? Yeah, and actually one of them um, is how I met Brian Banner. And it was weird because Banner would just get stoned and tell me how he was going to start following people. But then he'd get really paranoid. He's like, I'm pretty sure someone's following me. Tell me I'm not crazy. But I knew that someone was because I hired someone to follow him. He probably doesn't even know it till this day unless he listens to that pod, but... The weed didn't make you paranoid. I was actually hiring someone to follow you. Have you seen the uh, that '70s show episode where Foreman's mom orders a vacuum, and it gets delivered, and they think it's the government spying on yeah. them? Yeah, <laughs> they're so stoned. <laughs> That's what that reminds me. The person me of. I had spying on Banner, who shall remain nameless, did say that he did watch Deep Blue Sea five times in a year. He's like, and honestly, of all the notes I took, copious notes, this is the most concerning thing yeah. I witnessed. <laughs> and, they, and he or she said, after the fifth time, he ba- they basically just gave me the key. Like, I can't do this anymore. I can't watch that shitty-ass movie again. And it's only October. I know he's going to pop it in again. Or- <laughs> yeah, he'll try and sneak in one more before the new year. Yeah. All right. Well, if you guys have not listened to our show before, we start every episode off with the most important thing in any bro's life, and that is chest day. Today, we are... Finish, no, not finishing, because Cycle probably still has to go. But we are furthering our movies and music of our lives expose. Today is the Nate Thurmond edition. Geiger, since this was your idea, why don't you tell the people exactly what this is? Not one to be modest. I probably stole this idea from a million people who did this during quarantine. Just as something, something fun, because there wasn't much fun things happening from uh, March to July, really. So we're going to do movies of Nate Thurman's life. We're going to ask him 11 questions. Um, we kind of threw this on the back burner since, you know, the shutdown's over, but then the NBA just boycotted. So we called the American hero, ask him if he had anything to do. He's like, yeah, I have a ton of people to say, but yeah, I got time. I'll answer some questions. So he's popping open a beer right now. So question number one for movies, a movie or franchise you can't stand. Um, so... Movie I can't stand. Sorry, you threw me off when you said movie or what'd you say? Or, or franchise. franchise. Yeah, for some reason I, I only did. heard franchise. And I was like, fuck, I fucked this up. Anyways, <laughs> just a movie. Um, so this didn't get a lot of buzz and probably because it's a shit show of a movie. And I think some people saw it, but with the cast, 
I was so excited. I think this came out probably four or five years ago. I didn't do any research, but the the counselor with Cameron Diaz, uh, oh. Brad Pitt. Uh, who was that? Yes. Javier Bardem. Yes. Yeah. I was so excited. I was like, oh, this looks like a great movie. The trailer sold me. And then you get in there and it's just a bunch of plot lines that don't line up and doesn't make sense. And it was the one of the biggest wastes of like two hours of my life. It was bad. There's, there's a scene in that movie, I don't remember the context, where Brad Pitt is in a bar saying something to someone. And it's Brad Pitt in a... Who the fuck? Uh, it's a Ridley Scott movie, I think. I can't remember. But it's Brad wow. Pitt, who should be a captivating actor. And he's talking. And I literally remember thinking... Do I need to unload the dryer? <laughs> yeah. That's when, that's when I knew the movie had completely lost me. Also, they really oversold a scene where Cameron Diaz was going to strip on the hood of, like, a Mustang. He, and, she ends up just dry humping, like, very sexually the windshield with Javier Bardem, like, in the car. Mm. It's super weird. It's not, I, like, you, it made my boner go away. Did you see this in theaters? No, I'd watch it at home. Uh, okay. How many people in theaters with, like, hair in between one of their eyes, a Mumford and Sons t-shirt and tight jeans left that theater and was scared to say that that movie sucked because they'd probably take their like artist card away. Yeah. But that, that just really sounds like a movie. And like all these, Michael Fassbender. And, oh yeah. Uh, Jesus. And Penelope Cruz would, I mean, still would. Yeah. Laundry list of people. And I was so excited. And then it just pretty much shit the bed. I was very disappointed. It goes back to that age-old question, Jeff, on the Broforce Squad. We got, is the cast more important or the script? <laughs> Something that we fought till the end of time. Also, looking at the cast list, Matt's girl Rosie Perez is in it. Love Rosie. Yeah. Well, not even she could save that piece of shit. All right. That would make no sense. All right, Thurman, second question. Movie or franchise that is the most overrated to you? Um... This one was a little bit tough for me to figure out, but at the end of the day, it's just one of those that, and it is a franchise actually for this one. It's one I've seen. I don't think I've seen any of the movies more than once. It's Lord of the Rings, which I know there will probably be a lot of backlash, but Not for I don't know, just, you're in a safe place. I know. Yeah. Yeah. I'm talking. More we we get laid on the reg. Yeah, so I, we're with like, you. And I'm sure someone, the books are better. I'm sure we'll have those people coming in, but. Sure, maybe. I was forced to read The Hobbit in, like, ninth grade for AP English, and I just read the cliff notes and said, fuck it, because I wasn't doing that shit. When you just said the books are better, Banner's at home with his hand in his pants going, here, here. <laughs> the he problem just, with that is, though, just, you're not paying for you and your girl to go to a $30 movie. To, you're going to see the movie, not the fucking book, so. Yeah, I, I do. I do actually kind of like the second one. There's a really awesome battle sequence in it, but yeah, for the most part, they're just really drawn out. And again, the whole Middle Earth aesthetic, it's just not my, like Geiger says this about a lot of movies, it's just not my cup of tea. So, yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, but yeah, just like the whole fantasy world and all that. It's just tough for me to get into. I like, that's why I mean, like, mainly I like revolve around like comedies or like some other movies that are going to come up that are kind of dark comedies or have a little satire in them, just because I think there's more craft behind that. I don't know, like, like once you get into like the digital shit, it like kind of takes away from the story on some things for me. And Return of the King, which was the third one in the original trilogy, that cleaned up at the Oscars. I think yeah. it won Best Picture and like probably every like effects award and costumes. Yeah, but which is crazy because now like Avengers Endgame can't even get a fucking sniff at the Oscars, and back then Lord of the Rings was 
kicking ass and taking names. Yeah. That well, sure. wasn't that long ago. Like you think like sometimes in the eighties, you look at the Oscars, you're like, Oh man, those are all like big time movies. But that movie came out in the early two thousands, I think. Yeah. Had it the been. last, last Lord of the Rings. I, yeah, not, not yeah. Kind of obvious, but yeah, the, th- the return of the King. Yeah, I think the return like, of the King's three. probably like 2008. I mean, I could look it up, but I really don't care. So yeah, if you want to comment below. It'll if be ignored. If there were some device at our fingertips, we could look up information. <laughs> but until that gets invented, fuck it. It's if you comment point, below the year, we will ignore you, and we won't even comment. But actually, it was 2008. Okay, uh, movie or franchise that you feel is the most underrated? So this is a weird one because I don't even know if this movie is underrated. I just haven't heard many people talk about it, so it kind of leads to it being underrated. But anyone I've suggested to watch this, they love it, and it's fucking awesome. And uh, it's Seven Psychopaths. Mm-hmm. And yeah. um, Big Sam yeah, Rockwell guy right over Sam here. Sam Rockwell. Um, Walken. Farrell, right? Walken. Um, the director, I can't think of off the top of my head, and like I said, I'm not too much on research. Um, same guy who did um, Three Billboards. Um, Outside, yeah, Evans, Missouri. Yeah. This, I mean, this is just like classic right Martin in my wheelhouse. Martin McDonough, it looks yes. like. Dark comedy, very funny, but in a dry sense, and lots of death and murder. Um, but yeah, this one, and then I also want to throw in an honorable mention for this one, which is funny because by the same director, uh, In Bruges, which uh, has Col- director. Yeah. Colin, yeah, Colin Farrell, and can't think of the guy's name, but for all you Harry Potter nuts, the guy who played Mad Eye Moody, he's in it. But another like same same thing, dark comedy. Do they do a great job at tying all that together? But very good movie. As if Geiger, we didn't have his money already. Woody Harrelson is also in Seven Psychopaths. Boom. Yes, he plays. Yeah, I love his character. My, uh, my wife works with a lady that dated him. How like, much when, now like when he was in Cheers, like just Whoa. making it Cheers. That's crazy. And she kept this from us all this time. Yeah. Like, well, that would have been nice to know. All right. What is a movie you love? Um, this was another tough one because I mean, there's a ton that I love and I can throw in this category, but the epitome of the movie I love is probably, it's actually kind of funny it's this category, but I love you, man, with Jason Siegel and Paul Rudd, because I'm a huge Paul Rudd fan. Um, and Tevin, is Tevin the funniest name of all time? Yeah. <laughs> I, like what, what are you trying, are you trying to be like Travis or Devin or, or Kevin? What? What, Kevin? What is going on? Tevin. Such a great name. I, a... I love when they take regular names and just, just throw out the fucking first letter and put on something else. Just act we, got, we got a squirter. She's got a bush like a porcupine. I don't want to know anything about her bush. But just the awkwardness of that whole movie. Um, it has some of the best lines in it for me, and I still constantly quote, quote them today. Uh, but that's one of those ones I could also throw into watch over and over again category because I've seen it numerous amount of times but it's i mean seagull and red were probably high as a kite the whole time they were filming that but their chemistry is great in it you know i forget that jk simmons and andy sandberg are in that movie also sandberg is great in that movie he's his gay yeah. brother right? yeah very very subtle very subtle side guy yeah. his yeah. friend who's the la galaxy fan. <laughs> everything you got everything you got here we go galaxy <laughs> Judd Apatow movies are, they're like really hit or miss for me. I don't think I, I, there's any of them that I'm like in love with, but I like a lot of them, but it's a very certain brand of comedy that it's, it's interesting. Yeah. 
Also, lest we forget Favreau as like the really pissed off husband of Jamie Presley, who's forced to hang out with Paul Rudd, is really funny. Oh yeah, Favreau. Oh, yeah, he's so. He has, to, he has to invite so him to poker on night. A fuck, on a on a ace, oh, like what do you say? A fucking on an ace four. He's it, what's he called a flop. You're sitting. You're, a, sitting uh, you're sitting. You're sitting. Tendu Sudo on a fucking rainbow red flop. I'm sorry. I didn't, rainbow, know, I didn't know it was a flop. rainbow. <laughs> I didn't know it was a rainbow. I'm sorry. It's like a. That's a that's like a golf analogy when someone's like a 28 handicap. They don't even know what the fuck we're talking about on a yeah. rainbow fucking red flop. On a rainbow okay. red flop. And when he has to invite Paul Rudd over, he tells his wife, Jamie Presley, before she leaves for girls' night, okay, but we're doing it with the lights on tonight. Yeah. Yeah. Cheers <laughs> all night long. Yeah. <laughs> I like when he orders a drink. He's like, can I have a beer? He's like, and something with sour mixed in it for her. <laughs> it's <laughs> fucking great. He's so non-subtly just <laughs> put off by the whole situation. It, I don't know, something Jamie with sour Presley mixed doesn't get enough. Jamie Presley is fucking great. I loved her in Joe Dirt. She is Poor man's a great Robin. Yeah. I've always She's said it. Fantastic. All right. Um, swivel around. Uh, all right. Next. I can't believe this is allowed on the Bro Four Squad, but um, shake your drink, take a sniff, and what made you fall in love with film? Yeah. So I kind of had to narrow down between two, but uh, I went back to the one that probably got to me earlier in my life. So um, this one ranks up on a lot of people's top uh, films of all time, but Shawshank Redemption. I mean, you just don't get much better than that. Well done film. It's got a little bit of everything in it. Um, so pretty pretty straightforward on that one. And I have to say, I had known Nate I, for probably like a year when you first saw this movie. We were in college. And he was a different man after he saw it. He really was. He was matured. And <laughs> matured. Pretty, quickly, pretty quickly after that, Nate, correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't you, you got the, I mean, this is the most college bro thing to do, but he had the movie poster on the wall. Oh, you have to. Oh, for sure. Thought. Yeah, I don't, I mean, I had those movie posters for the longest time. I don't know if they're at my mom's house right now or what. And but... it's the one with Andy in the rain. Like, you know. The <laughs> oh, yeah, he, he's in the rain. He just escaped. He's like in the little river or the creek there. Yeah. I don't blame you for watching it so late because it seemed like a movie that came out in the early 90s. So I probably wasn't I even old enough to go see it in theaters. And then it was yeah. on TNT a ton, TBS, but I'd always watch it halfway through and I just get the gist. I'm like, this is, seems like a movie I need to watch from start to finish. Yeah. I probably never even watched that from start to finish until I was like late middle school, early high school. But it's just probably for, uh, one of the top 10 movies ever for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Just for a little throwback to something we talked before. Well, you said when it came out, like 98, 99% sure it's 94 because I've contended that. That might be that might be the best year of movies. It's a Lion King. Oh yeah, or at least the top four year Nate, in movies. Nate and I think did a whole episode on how badass '94 was. Yeah, they need, do, they need to do like a thirty for thirty or some Netflix just on the movies that came out in 1994. Yeah, I think and I think actually when we did that episode, <clears throat> we did part of an episode. We talked about doing it for. We need to bring that back and do it for another a year and find a good one. Just yeah, someone write that down. Can anyone beat '94? The crazy thing about Shawshank Redemption is, like, if you asked me, okay, what makes it so awesome, it's just so above average in every possible way. Like, pacing, characters, it's so, I don't want to say so unique, but it's unique enough of a plot where you're like, I haven't really seen this before. Mm -hmm. um, and then, of course, Morgan Freeman. Mm -hmm. I think that was the first time that I got a boner from his narration in a film. Yeah. I wish I could tell you that Andy... <laughs> who uh, who could beat 1994? Do you think 2020 is going to say, well, we're the Expos during the strike. We could have beat it if we just could have played. 
Yeah, Invisible yeah. Man was our cleanup hitter, and Sonic <laughs> was batting three hole. New Mutants was hitting seventh, but they were good. In oh, the New field. Mutants still coming out. I think it's hitting theaters this weekend. So if you want to go check it out, all right. Uh, Thurman, interested to see if yours and mine mash up here on number six. What is a movie you can watch over and over again? I saw your list earlier. I don't think it matches up. I can't remember. Um, but this one, even I, I think it came out 15 years ago. Uh, watch it on the reg and said probably multiple times in multiple pods. It's one of the things that I probably quote the most right after with, I love you, man, but wedding crashers. I mean that, and I, I could sing its praises. I was just singing your praises. I could sing its praises like over and over again, because it was kind of right there at that forefront of that comedy style. And that kind of kicked off like the early aughts and like all those great comedies that were really in like kind of our formative years, like, early late high school early college kind of kind of time but that's the one i've just always stuck with and no matter what vince vaughn that's like his prime and he's just fucking comedic genius at that point to me i think you could make an argument that and i don't think this is hyperbolic because i've had so much time to marinate on it i think vince vaughn in wedding crashers might be the greatest comedic performance in a movie ever and really when i say comedic genius yes i think it's really funny but specifically the best thing that he does is his timing is fucking like yeah pinpointed it is fucking awesome and someone that models their life of trying to be as big a smart ass as vince vaughn in wedding (laughs) crashers i will have to say that jim carrey from jump and dumber might be able to get the same ring well definitely can get the same ring that would be a good discussion to have i'm trying to think of anyone else but but yeah, I, I would agree with you. And Owen Wilson is the perfect yin to his yang, too. He, they play off each other so well. Yeah. If I said you had to put a Robin Williams performance in there just because he's like such a good improvisational actor, is there a performance of his that you say, okay, I want to put him toe-to-toe with Vince Vaughn? I mean, I wouldn't say Doubtfire. I mean, Doubtfire is probably his best performance, I would think, for is us 90s kids. He's, he's just like spitting out the impressions and the quick-wittedness. Aladdin. And- yeah, but... It, I almost feel like that. I don't know. I don't know how much of that was on page. I mean, he's great at the birdcage. It would have to be an R-rated movie, so you'd have to go to the birdcage or the Cadillac Man, which is not mainstream oh. as so wedding crashes. So you're not talking like comedic performance. That's what I was thinking. Is there a movie? Okay, well, I mean, I think most of his stuff was like uh, stand-up almost. I, yeah. I know one of his stand-ups, uh, live on Broadway. I think is that the one like, where he has like the thirty water bottles on the. Oh, um, he is sweating buckets, <laughs> but it is phenomenal. Yeah. There's not much you can compare. I, I would consider my. I think the hardest I ever laughed in theaters was Wedding Crashers. Super bad was pretty close. The Wedding Crashers is the hardest I laughed in theaters, mm-hmm. and it, it, just every fucking joke, and you don't even get into like Todd Bradley Cooper in that is like eighth yeah. fiddle, and he's fucking hilarious. Yeah. Such yeah. a great, great fucking Christopher Walken. Um, I think Thurman and I might say people helping people more than any quote in a yeah. movie. I literally, yeah, I just text that on a group thread with, with, uh, with you earlier. <laughs> people you know, ice people. my balls and spit up blood. Team, team player. player. Team player. Is she still in the house? What's wrong with <laughs> she? She's like going to go chase her. What's wrong with you? You're Stop projecting. projecting. Stop projecting. Oh, Geiger loves to quote, what do you mean how? Yeah. When he doesn't know what to say. <laughs> Uh, mine was Tin Cup, Thurman. I thought oh, you know, okay. I, that was a rough draft, the one I sent you, but that's one I literally like every time it's on, I can watch. Gotcha. All right. Um, what is a movie that changed your life? Now, th- this one is funny, 
but I really thought about this one for a minute, um, and this came to mind, and it's super random, but it's October Sky, the Jake Gyllenhaal classic. Dude, okay, I was trying to tell these guys about October Sky. I was like, don't you remember in middle school or elementary school when they would wheel in the TV that was strapped down? It was October yeah. Sky Day. Dude, but the most, I mean, obviously I did not, I mean, it inspired me. I didn't become a fucking NASA rocket engineer or anything, but it was like 99 or something. I still remember coming out of the theater and like with my mom and sister and being like, oh my God, like that was awesome. That was so cool. Like he was like a small town kid and like inspired to be something special by seeing Sputnik in the air. And he came from a coal mining family and all this stuff. And it's a true story. I think that was the biggest thing. Like I was young, like 10, 11 and like it, knowing it was a true story and it happened and Homer Hickam is the guy's name, but like grew up to be like this fucking great, uh, scientist. I was like, man, that is really inspirational. And then you went home and took apart your mom's sewing machine. Like I'm trying to fucking become something mom. So the one thing is very on a very small scale, but I did like I was really big into like model rockets at the time where you like shoot off with like the launch oh, pad and all no. that. So I, there was like a three or four year period was I, I was really into that. So, but yeah, that was great. First really time random, great Cooper. movie. What's up? First time I saw Chris Cooper in a movie, he is Jake Gyllenhaal's dad, and I can't remember if you're at home, you can scream into your headphones. I'm sorry, but I can't remember who his teacher is. But not Diane. Uh, because then she got. Um, Hodgkin's disease or something. Donnie Darko's Swayze or whoever, but I don't know about this movie. It's like I'm a trying dying to think. lane type. Yeah, let me look it up real quick. Yeah, because I know I've seen her in other stuff. I just can't. Laura Dern. Like she's oh, like Laura Dern. Duh. Costco Diane Lane. Okay, Laura Dern. Yeah, Laura Dern. Oh, also <laughs> Kirkland. Geiger the Shermanator Kirkland. is. He's one of his classmates. Yeah, that's awesome. The Shermanator. Actually, he has a pretty big role in that movie, right? He's like one uh-huh. of the guys that actually build the rocket. What do you think the nerdy kid from uh, Road Trip and the New Guy, do you think he just got edged out by the Shermanator for that role? And oh, oh my god, Geiger, yeah. I forgot Jesse is in it. <laughs> Why wow. isn't Jesse in more movies? That's the real crime of 2020. Uh, Vince, or Vin Diesel's at home like, don't worry, I have a device to bring him back. Jesus, I hope so. He was Honestly, gunned down I in your would, front yard. I'd be, I would stand up in the theater if we even have those anymore. Uh, I'm clapping if that fucking happened. All right, Thurman, what is a movie that surprised you? Um, this one came to mind quickly because it was recent. Um, I can't remember. I don't think I've talked to this talked about this on pod. Um, but it was a Hulu release recently, but Palm Springs. Hell so, yeah. So, hell yeah. I saw the trailer. It was getting kind of hyped up and everything. I was like, I mean, I'll probably watch it. It seems like a kind of goofy comedy with Andy Samberg and everything. Watched it. Very, very impressed. Uh, I really like, obviously, it's kind of like a take on Groundhog's Day, but they introduced kind of some new wrinkles into it. Um, J.K. Simmons is in it, which fucking like top 10 guy for me love him um uh the mom from how i met your mother miliano or something mm-hmm. can't remember Kristen miliotti i think something she was great in it um andy samberg was probably the one of the parts that impressed me the most obviously you just think he's going to be some goofy jerk off whatever but he's actually really good and I, I really liked how he played the role and i like to said just the movie overall it was a fun take on Groundhog's Day. Um, but yeah, I, I thought it was going to be like a kind of just goofy-ass comedy that I was going to watch and be done with. But I'll probably go back and rewatch it. It was solid. The whole premise of Groundhog's Day, like the repeating of the day, 
Yeah. That's something that I think is so fertile, not even just for comedic ideas, but like this one, even just moving, like we're not talking about Punxsutawney Phil. Now we're at a wedding. Mm -hmm. That's cool to relive. And they don't even, excuse me, they don't even do it straight up for comedic purposes most of the time. I mean, like they don't make a total joke of it. No, not really. Uh Um, And I don't think it relies on... Like, everyone's like, a Groundhog's Day ripoff. But, dude, they don't own that concept. Like, they yeah, did it really that's, well. I would say something like Freaky Friday, anything where you trade places or you live a day, I'm already just not interested. But if you say it's good, then I will. I would give it a shot. But some I'd of those, I'm just like, man, I've seen so many of these already. Even uh, the one with Bateman and Ryan Reynolds, the change-up. Mm-hmm. Fine film, but whenever they're like, they trade places, I'm like, I, I feel like Peter Griffin, done. Done. Walk out. Done. <laughs> like, I love those yeah. two actors. Oh, they trade places in it. Done. Yeah. Yeah. Thurman and I had like a really drunk moment like two weekends ago where we like played the end of the movie, paused it. Oh up. my God, we, we did. Bad of doing this. We're like fucking John Gruden sleeping in his office, like reading, trying to find a safety blitz tell on film. Dude, you should have seen like a year and a half ago or something to us at like 2.30 in the morning, like pausing and rewinding to go over true detective fucking like with a fine-tuned comb it was insane it's a good guy man got him in the uh, eighth round, man knock on with you're with me all right uh this is my one probably my favorite question what is your guilty pleasure movie because banner's whole list was a guilty pleasure movie yeah we had a yeah that sounds about right 45 for minutes but the problem is he has no guilt he just fucking yeah. <laughs> he's like i don't feel bad for watching he's, anything he, You'd sit there with a straight face and tell you the Meg like is the great is what made him fall in love with film. So what is your guilty <laughs> Read the pleasure book movie? before you fucking pop off? Um, my guilty pleasure, and I haven't seen this in a while because I've been trying to find it somewhere to watch for free and haven't successfully done it. I'm, I'm probably just going to buy the DVD eventually so I can jerk off to my tears with it. But um, Serendipity, John oh. Cusack, yeah, yep. great one. That's a that's a yeah. solid film. I know it's probably classified as a chick flick romantic movie, but yeah. I think it's very well done. It's like a cult or, classic '80s movie, probably. Uh, I don't think it was the '80s. But I think you're '90s. Yeah, Jeremy Piven is in it. Okay, Nate he's like his best about... friend who writes obits. <laughs> that's so Jeremy Piven. Yeah, Nate and I were joking about doing a bro back on it and opening it up with "It's the bro back that no one wanted." <laughs> We still have time. We We still have time. Dude, I would honestly ransack every bookstore in New York City for Kate Beckinsale's number. So I get it. That's the cool thing. I like that concept behind it. She's just like, here, I'm going to go pay for this. Hey, this money's in circulation. If you find it, cool. And then they do the whole book thing. So I like that that little aspect of it. So they like treasure hunting their whole lives. And then like they're in relationships and they're not really looking for something. But then like, well, fuck. This could be the person. So, like, they yeah. he still they still check like every bookstore they go in. It's, it's Banner reads so much. He's like, I would have found that number in five days. <laughs> it doesn't matter where it was at. Not even, yeah, not even a question. That's a good one. No one talks about serendipity, and it's a damn shame. Next, best movie you've ever seen in theaters. So this was tough to think about. Obviously, just going back through like all the years. But um, I hope this doesn't feel like cheating because I. <laughs> I took Geiger's here because it was great. Force Awakens. Yes, yeah. damn right it was. Yeah, one of the most recent ones I saw in theaters. Oh my god! And um, I mean, just getting back into the theaters and seeing Star Wars, I think that kind of helped with the hype and everything. But goddamn, if 
it wasn't just fucking phenomenal. All, all the scenes lived up and, and the hype was there. So um, I was going to go with Toy Story 4, but this beat it out. There's it's some- aged well too, Jeff, because we left and we're like, yeah, it's a B minus movie. They got something to go off of. And then we didn't even know what we were in store for. God damn. We should have given that movie a lot more credit. <laughs> Wasn't that yeah, bad. Then Ryan Johnson threw his fedora on and crossed his legs. And said, <laughs> Watch this. What if, what if I, I have said, a vision? Yeah, the, but there is something to say about being in the theater, especially after, you know, the... Let's be honest. The prequels are a thing, sure. I We're obviously huge defenders of them here. But to Geiger's like, point, like, this was the cross-generational Star Wars because our parents who grew up with Han Solo and Princess Leia could now go watch it with Rey and Kylo Ren. And there's something about when the opening of the movie starts with the and the whole audience is like choking each other like let's fucking go just boner all right (laughs) that just gets you excited i remember watching with my mom and she was like almost crying when the thing started just because there's something about this one too because we didn't the prequels anyone that has read the books or by then you could just go online but we didn't know where this was going at all because they're like yeah the books aren't canon anymore this is our own story which is i thought i mean i loved I loved what happened after Return of the Jedi. I wish they would have went with the book, especially after the clusterfuck we got. But it was kind of cool to be like, man, I don't know what the fuck's going to happen in this. It's yeah, that's a great that's a great point. Because regardless in the prequels, like we know where it ends up, right? Anakin yeah. becomes Vader and mm-hmm. the Stormtroopers and all that. But this, right, we had no idea. Now, at the time, it was just optimism. And now we know that they just completely shit in our hands and said, take it and we'll take your $20. But they put the emperor on top of the shit. So some people are like, yeah, it's, you know, whatever. It's fine, yeah. I guess. I'm like, all right, well, I'm not like really mad, but it smells good. Take Ooh. the shit. <laughs> all, right, all right. What is the movie you should have seen by now? Um, there's two big ones. Um, so I'll just throw them both in here quick. I think I've mentioned this one before on here and I still haven't seen it and I really don't care to, but matrix, any of them. I know. Um, I, people people say I should at least go back and watch the first one, but nah, you're good. Like at this point, I don't, it's just like one of those things, like it's a principal thing. Like, I don't know. Should I watch it? I don't know. We'll see. Nah, sure. And then the other one is avatar. I've never seen avatar either. Oh, you don't have to see seven that hours? To just but that's the other thing. Like, I know it was like one of those first movies that came out. Like, fuck, this is a long ass movie. And I kind of go back to, back to what I was saying about like Lord of the Rings and this like tenfold. Like once you get into like the the digital stuff and fantasy stuff and like, I don't know, it really doesn't do it for me. I'm sure it has a good storyline too, but that kind of has deterred me from actually sitting down and taking time to watch it. With Avatar, you can just watch Pocahontas. It's one eighth of the time and the same story. So. I love Pocahontas. Everyone wins. Avatar, I don't I don't mean to shit on it. I mean, like, it was... I'm sure it's a great movie. Yeah, it, it was revolutionary at the time, but now, like, let's just be honest, we're desensitized as an audience. Like, those special effects, we just yawn. Yeah, they're not cool. Anymore. I think that's the thing. Like, I, it's uh, fucking 15 years later, and I'm just like, I don't know if I can go back, because, yeah, it was cool at the time, like you said, so... Yeah, I saw the theaters, which was cool. That would have been cool to see in theaters for sure. But if you just like, if you just want to watch it on Disney Plus, it's like a three or four sitting watch, to be honest. Yeah. All right, that brings us to Sweet. the second part of our show, which is our protein shake, where we go around and talk about what's in our cup, also known as what have we watched lately. I'll give Nate a little break to talk, and uh, Geiger, why don't you tell us what's in your cup for this? Past I got three things. <laughs> Uh, the first is trending on Netflix right now. 
um, top 10, I think it's top five, and that is High Score. Now, Jeff, you've heard of this, right? I have. I didn't know it was out. I feel like a fucking idiot. Oh, it's I was, out. I was so intrigued by this. And by, by this, I mean literally all they showed me was like the title card. And I was like, go on, Netflix. So please enlighten me, Matt, because this sounds so like it's backstory right what this is about. Basically, it's about the invention of video games. Um, you know, Atari's first. If you don't kind of know the history, it's basically Atari. It's Nintendo. Then it goes to like Sega, Super Nintendo. Then, you know, you should be caught up from there. But then what? also how like arcades <laughs> took. Go ahead. Was there one called like uh, Game Vision or like something Vision? Did they mention that with I, Atari? Because I feel I, like it was Atari and one other, and Atari beat them out, and they went away forever. No, tar- Atari basically... Um, so there was one, but they were just strictly arcade games. So they go into that, too. So Atari so, was the first one like you could have in your living like room. Like an at-home console, yes. Shit. That's um, why Pong so changed that's, the game. That's what changed the game, because arcades started taking over, especially, you know, um, this was late 70s, early 80s, so, you know, mini malls were the fucking shit. So you go to arcades, you put in your 25 cents. Now, there's there's a couple interesting things that I want to get to. For one, when I say Silicon Valley, everyone thinks of basically tech companies. Do you know the first company in Silicon Valley around all the cows were at, was Atari? And, really? and Atari, yeah. And Atari, um, the president of Atari basically like, yeah, I let people wear flip-flops and, you know, board shorts or whatever they wanted. And they didn't have hours. They're like, what, show up 70s? when you want. Yeah, this is insane. Late 70s. This is what like Google's doing now. So he didn't have hours. He's like, you're adult. Show up when you want. You know what I want you to program. Just get it done by the deadline. So he's like, so I had people that would party all night. I was going to say, the 70s is when you're supposed to die in your desk, right? Yeah. I mean, this was, uh, you know, when you're talking about making America great, this is when America is great, when you're working 90 hours a week, chained to your desk and, you know, hard work. And this guy in Silicon Valley, which is just a cow pasture in California, had him come whenever they wanted. He's like, yeah, I mean, we had guys come. Weed was free at the office. Um, weed was sex. free? Yeah. Oh, I figured it was more sex. cocaine. People was working from 12. Eh, not, it wasn't quite the 80s yet. People were working from uh, you know 12 to 5 if they wanted to. People coming for two hours, then go party, then come back if they wanted to, as long as they got their codes done. So Atari... Basically, where they went flop was um, they started making movie games. They made Raiders of the Lost Ark was one of their big ones. So then Spielberg came and said, hey, I need an E.T. game and I need it in five months. And it usually took them, they said, about a year, year and a half to come up with the game. So this guy made an E.T. game and it was so bad. It came out during Christmas and people were taking it off the shelves because it was so bad. and People hated it so fucking much. Wow. So Atari's business model was making 20 shit games instead of like five really good ones. So then video games went away and there was like, uh, you know, CNN reports or whatever saying, you have the video game crazes over in America. No one fucking cares. Five years later enters Nintendo and Nintendo's first game that hit it big in the United States was Donkey Kong. Uh huh. And basically Mario was like the di- like Dave Grohl of Donkey Kong. He was just like the drummer for Nirvana. Like no one knew who he was. He was just like a guy in Donkey Kong. He's just the dude. So a couple interesting things, and then I'll do another one next week because I haven't got to the Sega portion yet. A couple interesting things on Nintendo. That deserves its own episode. One, yeah, because we're Sega kids. But one, um, Nintendo was had a 
Nintendo basically tournament at Universal Studios and had kids all over and stuff. And then if you won, you won basically a free trip to like Hollywood to like meet like a bunch of people, whatever. But Universal Studios saw Donkey Kong and they sued Nintendo because they said that's basically like King Kong and you're infringing on our things. Which don't own gorillas, dude. Which proves like basically how hard it is to make it in fucking business. The other thing that's really interesting, so nowadays, I, I, you know, if we played video games and we didn't know how to pass a level, you go on YouTube, right? Well, mm-hmm. they didn't have that back in the early 80s. So Nintendo had a call center. So if you were hired on this Nintendo call center, all you did was play games all day and learn how to beat these levels. So basically, it was like when your cable stops working and you call a person, they're like, hey, man, I'm stuck at this level. How do you get it? It's like, Oh, you! Oh, just take Mario, go down the fucking thing, go over the dragon, then click it, and you're good. And they're like, oh. "Okay, thanks, cool." And that was their job. <laughs> wow, that's insane. But their business model was: if you don't beat the game, why would you buy a different game? You're just gonna keep playing that game till you beat it. We want you to beat the game because, like, I already beat that game. I need a new game, mom. Duck Hunt, like all, all that that's shit. Like, point. so then. They so then they pushed Mario really hard after that when it was Donkey Kong and they saw you know people started realizing who Mario was. Do they have you you've seen two episodes Atari and Nintendo? Is that what you said? Yeah. So do they talk Super Nintendo at all on that or did no, Sega? No, because that's not even till I think Super Nintendo came a little bit after Sega because Sega yeah. and Super Nintendo were like the Xbox PlayStation for a while. Um, do you know how far it goes? Like, do they get it to 64? Because that would be the episode that would really tickle my balls. See, I don't, um, I, I didn't look because I, when you play something on Netflix as a series, it just plays episode one. It doesn't give you a, a chance to go forward or behind. But sure. it starts to kind of show, like, on some of the uh, previews that, like, Congress and stuff kind of gets involved in saying, like, video games are the devil and they're, like, killing, like, kids or something like that but that's probably around extreme- grand theft auto Damn. yeah it's extremely but fucking what? interesting <laughs> oh sorry i had sex with a prostitute and then killed her that's how you get your money back everyone knows uh-huh. that. oh and they were talking about how most of these like atari you bought an atari and it was pong that was it because they didn't have consoles right you know, where you took one out and one in and then um and then nintendo came up with a thing it's like okay, well, we got the kids at home. How do we get the kids on the go? And they came out with the Game Boy, which is another thing that's like, fuck, dude. I mean, they made just money hand over fist. I mean, Nintendo was Google in, like, the 80s. Like, that that's who they were. They were just an innovator. Like, the first portable console. When I say console, I don't mean, like, you know, you could buy, like, a bullshit, like, Tetris game where, like, things would light up on the screen. I mean, Game Boy was the first cell phone, really, if you think about it. The first console where you could like put in, like you could have your Game Boy and like four games and play yeah. them all. Yeah. So I'll report back next week after I watch the rest of it because I'm hooked. This is very good. If you're, so uh, here's my pitch. If you like games, you'd like this. Well, no fucking shit, Geiger. If you're an entrepreneurial, you'll love this shit. If you have an entrepreneurial mind, you'll love this shit. If you're like anyone that's in Silicon Valley or tech or anything like that, I said, this is basically, you know, the Beatles of tech. Like this is they like created it. It's very fucking interesting, and it's Netflix, so you know it's done pretty well. The Atari thing is is a really interesting story because there's a line in Moneyball that I've always loved, where the GM of the Red Sox, when he's interviewing Billy Bean, says, talking about the A's philosophy of on base percentage, he goes, "Yeah, the first one through the wall always gets bloody." 
and everybody else gets to follow after yeah. them. That's what Atari was. They yeah. they couldn't make it, but they were the ones who broke down the uh, wall. They, they had a good idea basically doing like, hey, when a movie comes out, we should have a video game. But they were just rushing it too fucking much and not taking their time and actually making a good game. But they, then, I mean, Sega said, hold my that beer. happens all the time now. Sega said, hold my beer, except no one can beat fucking Aladdin level three in yeah, the in Lion one. King. Yeah, but they tried to do that. I, I'm very interested in Sega because that was my jam. I mean, my older cousins had uh, um, a Nintendo. I played a little bit, but Sega was the one. I remember opening that when I was four years old for Christmas and getting uh, Sonic and Tails and fucking Lion King and all this shit. And they go into Madden. I know they go. Oh, uh, that was teased, cool. which I can't now, fucking with. Geiger, do you know, was Street Fighter on Sega before Super Nintendo or just Super Nintendo? I think it was on both because I remember playing Street Fighter and Mortal Kombat on Sega. I remember my cousin beating the shit out of me as as the... I was Blanca because obviously he looks the coolest, but he was the stretchy dude who could hit you from like across the but, stage. But it's, it's interesting if you're a younger... Like, I remember leaving Walmart with my parents and there was a Street Fighter, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle, and X-Men video arcade <clears throat> game once she walked in. I remember asking my mom, I was like, can I just play this for a little bit? And they're like, yeah, fine. And by a little That's, bit, I mean, you don't even, I mean, at Pizza Hut, I remember arcade games over in the side and you don't even see that anymore. I mean, that's not even a thing, but I'll fall back on that. The other two things I watch one, um, my wife was watching and she's like, Oh, you love baseball. Let's watch this movie is the natural. It doesn't hold up. It's fucking terrible. I never thought it was that good. <laughs> Whoa. I, I don't know what you guys think of it. Um, it's a very old school movie. It was set, I think, in the 40s or 50s. So was Legend of Bagger Vance. It's a better movie. Um, so was, I don't know. I'm trying to, oh, uh, Eight Men Out. That's a better movie. That mm-hmm. movie's fucking, uh, it's just not good. The baseball in it is terrible. Very Bound unwatchable. None of the actors in there are athletic. I mean, I know that wasn't a big thing in the 80s. Well, you're. it's 2020. Welcome to my fucking world. And you're playing it on, uh, TBS the other night. It's fucking terrible. I don't know what you guys feel about this movie, but it's not even cl- close to a top 20 baseball movie for me. I gotta say, the music obviously from The Natural is what is iconic. Banner's like, hell yeah, it is. But the scene <laughs> where he knocks he knocks out the light, like you just have to roll your eyes at that, right? Well, why didn't he use that bat the whole time? It's corked, obviously. It's fucking illegal. Uh, I, mean, uh, I, I mean, I'd rather watch Major League 3 than this. Is that back to the minors? Yeah, it's a good well, film, actually. That's just a sports good sports opinion right there. Yeah. And the last thing I watched was the original American Pie, which still holds up. It's fucking great. Um, I love, I love when he's taping Shannon Elizabeth, and people are seeing it on the net, and Blink One Eighty Two makes an appearance, and they're in the band practice with a monkey. And I think it's Mark is like, dude, that guy's in my trig class. Whatever yeah. he comes to. It's a it's a really fun movie, man. It still holds up. Um, I don't know about high school kids now if that's still how you act, but that's how we acted in high school. If you haven't seen it in a while, it still made me fucking laugh my ass off. I'm like, dude, this some of the movies in the '90s don't hold up. That one does. Go rewatch the first American Pie. And American Pie Two, if I remember right, is just as good. I yeah, love that one too. Like so. their college yeah, for sure. I mean, you guys know this. I probably have quoted my favorite line from American Pie. I won't say it on pod, but probably a million times in my life. But I agree, Geiger. I think there's something about, like, your coming of age in high school with your best friends that I don't care what generation you watch it in. Like, you and I can go back and watch Fast Times at Ridgemont High 
or days, days confused, confused. Days and confused. Yeah, yeah. that is something that regardless of what generation you're in it is timeless like yeah. that is a that is a journey that uh every single person goes through and it's it's just so relatable and it's great fodder for humor now the th what do they do okay i'm not counting like the bullshit like dvd spinoffs like american pie Bandcamp. So they did American Pie, American Pie 2. Is American Wedding the third one? Yeah, that's basically oh, the... Yeah, that, yeah, that's like right. Yeah. Ones, yeah. Have you guys seen American Reunion? Because I love American Reunion. It's actually really good. It's their high school I'm not reunion. sure I have. So uh, that's the well, fourth one, right? Think, yeah. yeah, it's like all the same cast. And actually even uh, Chris Klein comes back for that one, who was not in the third one. Oh, oh nice. So I reckon... He likes drugs a lot, doesn't he? Okay, did he do a bump? Every once in a while, Geiger, <laughs> Jesus, take off the white. Just need a little pick me up. Yeah, seriously, because coffee's not good for you. You should never have that. I mean, Sean William Scott, I'll never forget. Uh, I mean, why he wasn't really big in Hollywood, he had his time, but I think because he was on blow all, all the time. I'm pretty sure. I'm not really yeah, sure, but twice. I love be. Sean William Scott in about everything he's in. Pretty good. Is that all you had, Geiger? Yeah, that's it. All right, Nate, what's in your cup? What do you watch lately? Uh, yeah, let's see here. So I basically, what's been taking up most of my time is binging through, uh, the Fargo series, uh, season one, two, and we're on to, we actually have one episode left of season three. Um, and if me binging through it in like three weeks tells you anything, I love it. Uh, <laughs> can you, I know it hasn't finished, so it's. I'll give you the chance to revise it, but can you rank the three seasons? Because I've only seen season one, and it's probably a top ten season of TV all time for me. Yeah, so I'd probably go 1-1, one, 3-2, one, and 2-3. And even 2-3, there's not to spoil, because I know, uh, Jeff, you're going to go watch it at some point. Um, yeah. there's, there's one thing that really holds it up for me and is kind of weird and you'll get it once you watch it and i've talked to other people about this who've watched it and it's like a big hang-up so anyone out there listening that has watched season two you know exactly what i'm talking about and i've actually even seen an explanation from the director i believe but it still doesn't make too much sense does to me. the explanation help or do you just want him to shut the fuck up and i would almost rather him just shut the fuck up i mean <laughs> He says the explanation, you're making but it worse. Yeah, you're making it worse. Uh, but yeah, season one is fantastic. There's a lot of good characters in it. Um, uh, I can't remember the guy's first name, but Nygaard. Um, he starts off as kind of like an innocent character, and then you turn into hating him at the end of the season and just wanting him to die. Um, but uh, so yeah, so we're one episode away from finishing season three of Fargo right now, so. Um, season three has turned out pretty good. Um, there's a couple of things I'm hoping they wrap up in this last part, but overall, uh, really good series that I'm catching up on. So, a uh, new season comes out next month, season four. I think Chris Rock is in it, so that's pretty cool. Fargo um, is on FX, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm catching up on Hulu. And the good thing about yeah, yeah, yeah. Fargo is, except for season one and two, there are some tie-ins, but you could literally watch each season each season separate of each other. They're kind of non-sequiturs. Um, and you could, you really don't have to know anything. There's a few tie-ins, but it's not going to take away from the story. Um, so if for some reason you want to jump in on season four when it comes out next month, you can. Um, I think it's set in like the 
40s or something. Chris Rock look yeah, up. That's, looks kind of like a gangster or something. That in Yellowstone is on my list. I don't know what I'm. Wait, you haven't started Yellowstone? No. Oh, I thought you had. Wait, like none I, of it? I haven't. I I've watched two episodes and then I I can't remember. Uh, just shit has happened. Like, and that was months ago. This is before COVID. And it's like, if you ask me, like, who my, one of my favorite actors is, I'm like Costner, and I love him in westerns. Like, I love him in Half Hills McCoys, and this is basically it. I just, yeah. I don't know why I haven't watched it. Just haven't. Okay, so I was gonna hold off on my next one um, until Horns got back, but I see he's back now from relieving himself. Um, so this is just a small one. Um, me and the wife randomly watched. I think last Friday is just a Friday night movie. Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Went back. I mean, yes. it's yes. it's one of those up with wedding crash. I'll just watch just for the shits and giggles because it's fucking hilarious. And I <laughs> I remember like back in college, like driving to our rec center and like listening to some of the songs with Aldous Snow on the way to like, <laughs> tear it up on the basketball Inside court. <laughs> Inside of you, we've got to do something. We got to do someone. Something. No, the song is "Someone Should Do." So, oh yeah, like, the, <laughs> like someone. So you. <laughs> like, but again, big, it kind of goes along with. That's the video like, where it's like just making out with whoever walks by. Like in a like it's New fucking, York subway. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Pre-COVID. Pre-COVID. Um, but yeah, great one, and kind of goes back to some of my other movies. I love Paul Rudd and Jason Segel in it. Paul Rudd's a small part, but fucking hilarious. Wonder if the I wonder if the carpet matches the pubes. <laughs> So stupid. Guy here loves the line where he goes, <laughs> Jonah Hill steals a show in that. Oh my God. Okay, I'll just go fuck myself. <laughs> I'll, just go fu- I'll just go fuck myself. Uh, Geiger and I love the line where he's out on the water with all the snow and he goes, fuck, it's like I should hate you in so many yeah. ways. Yeah. But it's like, fuck, you're cool. <laughs> yeah, it's like a dark Neil Diamond. That's like exactly what exactly. I'm going for. Right, no, exactly. It's like yeah, yeah, exactly. Neil Diamond. <laughs> No, Jeremy, I can't sell you weed right now because I'm at work since you called me at my place of business. So I'd like to sell you some weed when I'm done. Is one of the best improv lines ever when Jonah Hill answers the phone as the hostess and says, I don't know, Mom, what's more important, your son or some fucking cat? (laughs) You're like, what did his mom say to him? (laughs) Would you know he like he basically uh Try to look in the mirror and just go over his script. While he's trying to give Aldous his fucking mixtape. It's fucking the greatest yeah. thing ever. He's like, I just, did you get it? Did, did you, you get, get what it? I was going for? Did you get it? This Honestly, is... I was going to listen to it and then I just didn't. Fuck I you. Just on I'm living, living my, my life. life. <laughs> you know what? I'm gonna make sure people fuck with your food the rest of your trip. <laughs> this cake is definitely from the hotel. Definitely not from me personally. <laughs> I see, like, he like away. sprints away yeah. when he gives it to him. Like he's he like runs off. He's like, dude, I don't know where there's fucking eyes at this resort. <laughs> uh, that was a good one to revisit. Um, and then, funny enough, uh, finished up Yellowstone season. Oh three, yeah, I think. Um, so yeah, Geiger, you need to be on this. Uh, Horns, you're not watching this, are you? No, but I know uh, Geiger yeah. definitely recommends it. Yep, so good. Um, but yeah, this uh, this so this last season was kind of slow leading up to the last part. They build up to a lot of it, and like literally the last like ten minutes are just fucking jam packed with action. So um, I don't know if anyone out there is watching it, but I would highly re- recommend it. Um, so sorry, real quick, Nate. It's on Paramount, but where is there a place you can stream it? Is it on Amazon Prime? Is it on Hulu? So I think you need a cable. Is it on demand? So they have a Paramount app. You can do it. 
Um, and you can just log in with like your cable subscription. I think so. I, I started DVR and everything, so I have it on there. But I think, like, I was like random. I was like switching providers at the time that started, and I think I just logged on the Paramount app and was able to watch it somehow. I don't know, but yeah, because I, I don't think I get Paramount, but I could. The, qu- the question I got because I watched two episodes because I did this with Peaky Blinders because everyone's like, dude, you'll love it, you'll love it. Uh, I have to ask this question. How many episodes until you're like, okay? Because even great show, even Lost, I'm rewatching, and it. Yeah, I, I remember it was like, dude, it was like more. eleven episodes where I'm like, okay, all right, let's fucking go, and then it just didn't stop. I don't think it was that many for like Yellowstone, like maybe three or four, maybe. Okay. I was because I mean the early. first first couple, even Game of Thrones, you're just learning who people are. Yeah, and then you got to start. You got to learn who the characters are. Then they'll start kind of doing stories around it and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, but sure. I'm, I'm I'm pumped for season four. They left some cliffhangers out there. Oh, Shows have to have balls to spend four hours just introducing you to their world. Mm-hmm. They're like, you need to shut the fuck up because we have a good story to tell. So just relax. I mean, Peaky Blinders took a long time. I had to rewatch that about three times. And I, one time it was during COVID. I was like, fuck it, I'm just gonna watch ten episodes no matter what. And after that, I was like, okay, this is a really good show. So funny you mention that because yeah, I, I man, it's probably been two years. Watched like five or six episodes of Peaky Blinders. And if I went back and started again, I'd have to rewatch everything because I forgot. But I remember yeah. it was good. I don't know why I left it. It's like just as they're maybe losing you, Tom Hardy shows up and you're like, all right, go on. The British accent. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then just to wrap this up, the last thing, um, I think this ended two weeks ago, but uh, first season of the HBO series, Perry Mason, mm. which was fantastic. I love Matthew. Spikely has... Has Matthew very highly of it. Reese or Rice, I can't remember how you, how you pronounce his name, but um, I think last year me and the wife binged The Americans, which was fucking phenomenal. Um, which I think it just ended a couple years ago. It wasn't like too long ago when it ended, um, but he's great in it. Um, if anyone's seen Fargo season three, which I'm currently on, well, the new chief is like Perry Mason's right hand man. I can't remember his name. Oh, and I don't feel like looking it up on my phone. Um, oh, John Lithgow is in it. Um, but so really, good, yeah, really interesting take. I know. I think Perry Mason, like in the '60s, the TV series was like a lawyer. Um, but in this series, the beginning, he is a, a PI, private investigator. But super dark. Like, yeah. there's some heavy stuff and some heavy imagery. Not gonna lie, and it starts uh, off fast. I have three questions, but they're all pretty brief. Is it hour-long episodes, 40 yep. minutes? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, did, do, you, do we know if the original Perry Mason in the 60s also took place? Is this, like, just post-Prohibition? Yeah, like 1930, I think. 31, did, 30. Did the original show take place then, or did they just decide to make this a period piece? Man, I think the original Perry Mason was, like, current times, so like 60s, late too. 50s. Yeah. Uh, and then the last question and the the main thing that I'm interested in, does the whole season basically follow like one investigation? Yeah, it's one one investigation, one case, one that yeah, re- revolves around the, the same inc- incident. So yeah, were but, you getting any true detective vibes? Because when I think one case, dark HBO yeah. series, that's what gets my balls tingling. Dude, even darker than true detective on, on a certain scale. I want to say what? stuff, but I don't want to do any spoilers or anything. So like, episode one. Is there a ton of tits, stuff. too? Like, Alexander Desario and True there's Detective? A, 
Jesus. That's a, I need to go back like, and rewatch that's a whole nother, That's a whole nother pod episode, Alexander Daddario's tits. <laughs> Jeez. be a 30-second episode, if you know what I'm saying. Um, there are tits in it, um, periodically, but... But they're not Alexander Daddario's tits. I mean, <laughs> no. What are, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, that, I mean... That's like saying you went to an eighth grade basketball game. It's like, yeah, this one kid scored 20 points. I'm like, but is he Jordan? Yeah. Uh, I don't think so. S- small side note, because this just stuck out to me. On the local sports radio show I listened to, one of the guys on there, they were talking about that episode in True Detective with Alexander Daddario, and he said he was sitting on the couch with his wife in their mid-40s, and she just, wow, all right. <laughs> like, <laughs> they impressed everyone. <laughs> real recognized real. Yeah, yeah. Chicks, I, I mean, uh, I mean, I remember when I'd watch like uh, Justice League, I'm like, dude, fucking Momoa's jacked. I'm like, yeah. You know, you got to fucking admit it, dude. She's got nice boobs. Good for her. Um, But yeah, that wraps up my uh, protein shake. All right, I'll be uh, relatively brief here. So I wanted to talk about this with Banner. And normally we don't put like single episodes of shows on here, but um, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. had its series finale about two weeks ago after 136 episodes. Banner and I have done reviews on the last three seasons. We were happy with the ending. The people out there, I won't spoil anything, but the people out there that say this has an insane tie-in to Endgame, no, it fucking doesn't. It's the (laughs) smallest thing. I'm not going to have this conversation with you anymore. I've argued with too many people on the internet. It doesn't. Shut up. You're done. It's a fine ending. I loved the show. It's over. Okay? It does not tie into Endgame. I don't want to fucking hear it. Are you oh. saying it doesn't tie in at all, or the ending was teased as going to be a huge tie into Endgame, and it wasn't? It was no, like a it, freckle of the ass on Endgame. So there was some speculation the last season and a half. Is this still in the MCU? And I think it, it is. It is in the MCU. But they do a thing in the last episode where people are like, holy fuck. They're, like, with the Avengers, right? And I'm like, they're not. Shut the fuck up. Read the room. You're I'll ask you. I'm, I'm probably never going to watch that, but I'll ask you off pod what it is. You can spoil it for me. Yeah. yeah, I can explain <laughs> yeah. it for 30 seconds. The people are, they're grasping at straws. You're pathetic. <laughs> I'll just say that. I watched wow. all the episodes. It, it's a cool ending, though, and it actually has a nice little black wooden teeth. Okay. Um, as a pod we watched the replacements which we're going to drop uh as a movie commentary right before football now matt i I told you this when i saw you in person the other day i was kind of shocked man and if you're at home and you disagree with this please comment below and let us know but the sentiment online for the replacements the football movie with keanu reeves people are not fans of that movie and i don't get it i don't either uh it was billed as being kind of like a uh I don't want to say Major League because Major League was rated R and pretty raunchy, but you know, just like a a, a good whole, home-hearted football movie. It's not any given Sunday. Should I say it like that? Yeah, it's but be it's a fun not, football movie, and that's what not it was. Hurting anybody, right? And for us at the Bro Force Squad, I think for us, like if your story's fine, I don't care if you want to go poppy or R-rated. That doesn't bother me at all. Whichever one you want to do. But if the story's fine, my biggest thing is the football good. Is the sports good? Does it look? semi-realistic and in this i thought it did honestly yeah. i thought the actors um, were athletic and if they weren't and they had stunt devils i couldn't tell but whoever was doing it looked like an athletic move and it looked like football is being played it didn't look like you know some actor 
like an Adam Sandler trying to be quarterback. I mean, Keanu Reeves looks smooth. Like I, I even said during the movie commentary, dude, a left-handed quarterback with hair hanging out of his hat, fucking Kenny Stabler reincarnated. I fucking love it. And I thought his mechanics looked fine. I, I, I didn't have a problem with that movie at all. Yeah, I, I guess I would just ask someone who like has serious qualms with this movie, like what, what did you think you were in for? This would be like going to a Whataburger and then being like, well, where's my filet mignon? And, and, and it's uh, loosely based on a true story, which we cover. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if they were upset that it wasn't, you know, to a T the true story, but most of those people don't even know the story about the scab, you know, team or whatever. So I, I don't know what people have a problem with it. Here's what I'll say for the movie commentary. So, uh, if you want to drink six beers and have an awesome time watching Keanu Reeves fucking sling the ball all over the field and fuck up to our waitress, Matt, they were in love. He wouldn't do that to her it's not they, about they, they made love they made love thank you they didn't they fuck made, it, there was a respect that was just wow. if you tell so me trash. any any sports movie you tell me a washed up player that used to be good is living on a boat and then comes back and gets retribution i'm like what time's it showing yeah fucking there sounds what, awesome what time's it showing and can i go grab a six-pack before yeah. do they have beer at the theater okay <laughs> So watch The Replacements. Uh, this is one that you guys might have seen. So An American Pickle. Nate, this is an HBO Max original where Seth Rogen plays. Now, don't interrupt Two people. The premise. Two roles. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So he pl- <laughs> Seth Rogen plays. Now, Geiger, I actually think I can sell you on this movie. But <laughs> you Seth could Rogen, try. Go ahead. Seth Rogen plays his great-grandfather from 100 years ago who works in a pickle factory. He's an immigrant in Brooklyn, New York. And he falls into a vat of the brine and gets locked in there for a hundred years and the brine preserves him. And he wakes up and meets his great grandson and Seth Rogen and hilarity ensues. Now I'll say this. Is this movie, even in a light 2020, a top 10 movie of the year? Probably not. Okay, let me phrase that. No. <laughs> Here we go. Probably but, not. But okay. there are two things that I think Matt will like, and then an hour, 24 minutes runtime. I mean, what do you have to lose? Not bad. The first thing is the scene where his, his grandfather awakes from the brine. The narrator interjects and says, and the scientists explain the science, and everyone just accepted it because it made total sense. So <laughs> That the reminds me of the line in Ted. <laughs> I, I can't remember word for word. The I think, helicopter? Yeah, I think Jeff uh, might know it better than me. <laughs> They are an absolute death machine. They have yeah. machine guns and was he, there's nothing more powerful nothing than more something. powerful than a child's wish except Apache yes. helicopter. Yeah, that's awesome. So now you're first off, dude, it steers into the skid. It goes, dude, we don't fucking know. Just okay. The second thing, Matt, that I think you'll really like, like the only way to social distance in 2020 is just have an actor play two roles, basically. Exactly. No, but the part that I think Matt will like, there's a scene later on where, uh, I won't spoil much, but someone, so uh, Seth Rogen's older character, who has so a- James re- Franco shows up? No, 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 there's no cameo. Don't worry about it. There's no, like, stunt casting, thank God. Um, Seth Rogen's great-grandfather ends up starting a pickle business, and someone is trying to put them out of business i won't say who because it's relative to the plot or relevant to the plot i should say so they tell him to get on twitter because they know he's from like a hundred years ago he's super fucking racist and he'll say horrible things on twitter 
So they get him on Twitter and they kind of make fun of cancel culture. How like, of course, he starts tweeting like, the Jews need to do this and, and all this stuff. And he gets fucking canceled. And it kind of makes fun of how like, as a society, we'll be like 100% behind someone and then find a tweet. And like, now all these people are like, fuck your pickles. And I just thought that was like, it's not a political movie and it doesn't have much to say it pretty much shuts the fuck up and just tries to make you laugh but that <laughs> but that one scene i was like dude this is i'm totally behind this this makes total fucking sense i i i, I didn't lie at the start of the pod but i left something out if someone tells me that it's a, the movie that takes place in the same day over and over um or someone switched places or a character plays two different roles a la eddie murphy <laughs> i'm usually out but I, I, I mean, this one, I'm going to get HBO Max whenever I move into my new house because I get it for free for sign up for AT&T. So after I watch um, the Justice League on a movie that I paid, I think, 50 bucks for me and my wife to go see on opening weekend and then was totally fucking shitty and rewatch, I'll watch that one. Yeah, again, as I often describe on the Bro 4 Squad, uh, it's harmless. It's harmless. Solid. I'm in. <laughs> <clears throat> All right, I'll, these last two things real quick. Uh, Nate was talking about The Matrix. I <laughs> I watched The Matrix Reloaded for our last episode, and I just watched The Matrix Revolutions. Uh, and let me just say this briefly. Now, again, I'll be honest, guys. On DVR, this was this was a four a four trip watcher for me. Meaning, I would come whoa. home at lunch from work, get about twenty to thirty minutes in, go back to work. But here's what I'll say about The Matrix Revolutions. I know a lot of people don't like the ending. But I'll tell you this. We don't have to like the ending because you know who loves the ending of The Matrix Revolutions? The Matrix Revolutions. Oh, my God. They love their own fucking ending, bro. This movie is obsessed with itself. It thinks it is so fucking smart. And the whole time, all I want is Keanu Reeves to do karate against Hugo Weaving. And you refuse to give it to me until the last 20 minutes. The other problem I have with The Matrix Revolutions, characters show up in the last 30 minutes of the movie, and they're the most fucking important character in the film. And in six hours of this franchise, we've never seen them until this point. It's very confusing. It makes no sense. Now, this having frustrating. Said, it's I'm just like, did I miss something? Who the fuck is this guy? Oh, he, this is his first scene ever. Got it. Uh, one other criticism, and I'll just, it's just three words, Jada Pinkett Smith. Another thing that I thought was not the best about it uh, was it really ends like, it's almost like the Wachowskis at the end, they were like, hey, dude, you need to wrap this thing up in like three more minutes because the last three minutes of it feel like <laughs> a dude who's getting played off at the Oscars in this speech. <laughs> also, thanks to my wife and my mom, and he like has to get up. The last thing I'll say, though, and this is a positive, uh, the effects in this, this was the third Matrix, and this was in 2003. Dude, they're, they hold up today, and those were 17 years ago. Wow. So tip of the cap. Last thing I had, uh, Geiger, get your boner pants on. It's a show on Netflix, absolute Netflix trash. Reality TV, it's called Selling Sunset. Okay. I'm three episodes in. Here's the premise. It's a reality show where 
There's this really famous uh, residential real estate company in Los Angeles where everyone is wholesome and good and not and, super. Yeah, a bunch of skanky divorce chicks with a bunch how, of Botox works there. And they're good you. at sales. How dare folks. you? Anyway, completely against what Matt was saying, a bunch of uh, bleach blonde chicks with fake tits and Botox work here and they're trying to sell houses to quote unquote famous people. And they keep getting so offended why these guys only want to fuck them and not buy the house. But don't worry, Matt, because also there's a lot of drama with them in the office, believe it or not. Sure. They're 20 minute episodes. I'm three in. That sounds and I'm, great. <laughs> I'm fucking hooked, bro. The I one. I tell that I'm going to play this back to my wife when we drop this on YouTube. I'm like, do you want to watch this? And she'll be like, my God, yes, this sounds great. <laughs> So, Matt, this latest couple, they just got engaged. Uh, the woman is 41. The guy is a 24-year-old French model who doesn't speak Whoa. any English. Doesn't speak any English. But, Matt, <clears throat> they don't need words, okay? What they have doesn't need words. He has anyway, a certain je ne sais quoi. <laughs> wow. That was <laughs> So they is broke Is the 41-year-old hot? Yeah. Okay. She is. So they broke up, but instead of just getting back together, he proposed. Oh, okay. Here we go. Yeah, that's the last. So, ba so basically, so so basically, Jeff, he he kicked off. He got an interception, and instead of you know milking the clock and trying to get the lot, he just basically threw the hail mary. Right. Well, from the, his from like the twenty five going in, <laughs> yeah. he need to do that. But Matt, don't don't all worry. you need is three points like what are you doing matt one of the girls in their office is dating a pro hockey player now he's not in the nhl he's in russia yeah it's you fine gotta work way up yeah and it totally makes just, sense he just signed a two-year extension in russia so she's pissed so they're basically broken up and believe it or not she's not that happy for her co-worker who just got engaged it's the weird I'm so interesting. In it's called Selling Sunset. And honestly, I almost want to just fucking hang up the Skype call right now to watch episode four. I really want to go scream at Netflix. Like, why isn't this on my you got to watch <laughs> list whenever I actually do you I even know me, Netflix? Yeah. Do you even algorithm? Netflix? <laughs> do you even know me? But Matt, the best part, 22 to 26 minute episodes. OK, this is great. This is why we have the pod. Um, because most of the people that listen to this are like-minded people like us, so they'll be into this fucking shit, too. I mean, it so sounds awful. When my fiancé played it, I was like, yeah, fine, fucking put this on in the background. It starts, I'm on my laptop. 15 minutes in, I'm like this. I'm like, fucking. What? <laughs> Trish is just going to let her take her listing? That's Tay Diggs who wants to buy that house. Tay so... Diggs! <laughs> okay, yeah. sorry, spoilers. Tay Diggs shows up. Those are the quote-unquote celebrities we're dealing with on this show. So to wrap this up, there were two uh, two kind of cringeworthy uh, uh, shows that I think uh, Banner got me into. I can't remember the second one. The first one, I want to see if you guys watched it. I haven't verified or checked if you guys had. But uh, Love is Blind. No, okay. Love is Blind is the one where they have the wall. They never see them, right? Because the other one was The yeah. Circle. There's another, so I never watched The Circle, but there's another one that they're on an, I mean, cliche, they're on an island, but, or a beach. I can't remember the fucking name of it. Is it Love Island? No, it was like a one-time thing. That's the one with all the British people and they can't have sex, right? 
That's Love Island? I don't know if that's Love Island, but I think the show you're talking about is the one with the British. Yes. Movie. Both of those, cringeworthy, but along the same line. So Love is Blind, and whatever the one the British, they can't have sex for a while, is fucking phenomenal. Can, can I say one thing before we go to do, do you even love pro? And Netflix needs to do this because I don't know if you guys have seen, um, God, I can't remember what the fuck it's called, but it's on like E Network or whatever, but they're on a boat. And it's basically like the staff that's on the boat. Um, oh, love below, de- below love, deck. Oh, below deck. deck. So you got below that. deck? Yeah, below, below deck. deck. So, ba- so yeah, deck. below deck. And basically, yeah. it's just about the staff on the boat and how a bunch of them date each other and stuff like that. And now this one sounds like that too, Jeff, The Selling Sunset. Why isn't anyone, Netflix especially, you need to make one about like an Applebee's. Because Dude. waiting is true. They all just fuck each other and have I so know. much drama. You need, you need to make one about a bar or restaurant. And do one about like a Hooters type bar. Because that's yes. what gets the most drama. Where one guy's dating the cook, but he also fucked this other chick they just hired. And then they just hire this really smoking hot chick and all the girls hate her because she's hot. Well, I heard she was a whore, Matt. Well, yeah. Sorry, I just found that show because I was looking on Netflix. Too Hot to Handle is the oh, show. Yeah. Okay. yeah, along same ilk. Yeah, definitely yeah. Uh, cringeworthy and great to watch. If you've seen one, you've seen them all, but also you need to see them all. No, yeah. I want to see them all. <laughs> anyway, Matt, Selling Sunset. We're going to run through I'm gonna, I'm going to probably watch that before I watch the Sega episode. I'm so fucking <laughs> killed on that. I'm, t- I'm just telling you right now, don't watch that without your wife because she'll fucking kill you. Cause no, no I'm, I, she needs something to take her mind off the pregnancy right now, so this sounds like the perfect fucking thing. And I can see Matt playing it like, why isn't she just happy for Christy? I mean, she finally found the one. Granted, I love fucking with her language. during those shows. I'm like, I'm like, I think Christy's a good woman. Like, I think she's a good, strong woman. It's like, are you serious? She's a fucking slut. She slept with Tim. <laughs> and she gets pissed at me. So then she takes it out on me like I'm a bad person. It's great. Well, I mean, she's not wrong, but I hear you. The best part is the one chick who gets engaged to the French guy who they don't speak the same language. It takes like four interviews where she finally goes, I don't know why everyone is so against this. Now, granted, this isn't my first marriage. This is my, <laughs> but the but the first guy Matt died, so I was like, all right, I'll give you a pass. On the allegedly, oh, yeah, oh, I will. Allegedly, good. Did he just fake it? Did he just fake it to get away from you? Wait, he, died, <laughs> he died of coronavirus in 2015. Like that seems a little sketchy. Tr- trendsetter. <laughs> also apparently he had a real gambling problem totally unrelated to him dying but uh all right i digest okay geiger do you want to introduce the last part of our show where nate thurman will reveal uh called, the other part do you even her. lift bro i'm not gonna do a weird voice that's banner's fucking stick but done the movies thing this is my i fucking love doing this it's until banner fucking killed it with fucking composers but i think thurman's gonna bring it back so Maybe. Music of Nate Thurman's life. First one, band or artist you can't stand? Man, so I even hate starting off with this one, and... <laughs> we love it. Well, no, it's not even it's not even that good, because it's. Li- I'm looking at it right now on my sheet, because I wrote all the shit down. It's blank. And what? I, I, I really, I thought for a long time, like, I... I don't know. I mean, there's not really one I hate. So, like, there's, like, I mean, if like you get into, like, the extremes, like, death metal, like, screamo shit, yeah, but I can't think of any bands. But, like, other than that, there's nothing, like, I can't, like, stand. 
and that's like how kind of how I was thinking about it. Like, I'll listen to really anything, and there's not much that like, I just like can't stand. Like, even if there's like songs or like generic like music genres or something like, like that. Luke like Brian. Nickelback. I like I like I like some of their songs. I don't know. <laughs> what I I you, can't every chance. I just I, saw I, the jockey commercial. I looked at my wife. I'm like, I'm going to kill him one day. I fucking can't not stand a, him. He's ruining of, country music. There's a lot of bro country that I'll listen to, and it's fucking catchy. And I'm sorry, I will get on board with it. But also, it's funny because like in that, I mean, people who like like bro country probably don't like a lot of the other shit I listen to. But uh, horns can it sons. Horns can attest. Coldplay. I'm just trying to name some that pe- no. some people can't stand. Mumford and Sons. I, I love Mumford and Sons. Thurman yeah. loves Mumford and Sons. Yeah, yeah I'm for sure. sure. I'm just naming some that people say they can't stand. Hopeless Wanderer. Think. Great song by Mumford and Sons. I mean, Little Lion Man. Awesome great video. I know that's and that's why I hate starting off like this because I, I really don't have anything there. And Horns can attest. I had a Coors Light in my hand singing to Chris uh, Chris Jensen or something. Uh, yeah, a while back, country guy. Yeah, yeah. It can buy me a boat. I loved it. Loved every. Yeah, that's minute. a good song. It's phenomenal. Yeah, I'm Four. sorry. I'm sorry to start off. Poor, right. There's not really something I can't stand. Overrated. So the overrated was actually kind of easy for me. I like some of their songs, and <laughs> this is gonna be maybe really controversial. And I know they're revolutionary, and the time that they came about. But the Beatles. I know. <laughs> Fuck! Oh my God! <laughs> no, he he, he comes off. As, hey, nice guy. You know, all bands are good. It's like I, I, you can't stand, and then a is... fucking like a bullet just fucking took off half my brain. I knew this was gonna. Are happen. you running for office? Because you're saying the most controversial shit of all time right now. I know. I can't stand Blink, and the Beatles are fucking overrated. Oh man. Okay, how? Jesus Christ. Yeah. I mean, I just feel like there's stuff that's just the British and he says what how? I love the I fucking love the Beatles. I absolutely love the Beatles. Uh I don't I, I don't know what it is. I just like can't get into I'm listening to their shit. I know and the thing is I know like what they led to and what they led down the road is very instrumental to like different rock and like opening up to like different styles and all that stuff. But like their specific music and i'm not saying like there aren't songs of theirs i like there are songs of theirs i like but just them in general i i know it's tough to say but at no point when you were writing that down did your body just like reflectively say no no because i've always felt this you know know what i actually respect the balls to put that on there i'm not a huge Beatles fan i'll have to say well first off i i think let it be is the greatest song ever fucking written ever um but no argument your here. your argument, I think, could have been better. Like, if you would have said that the Stones are as good, because there are people that think that, and I, I that I don't believe that. <laughs> I absolutely love the Rolling Stones, but that is an argument that, that I would hear. Fire doesn't know what to say. Right? I, I just don't know what to fucking say. They're they're the greatest. I mean, I, I John Lennon is probably the greatest songwriter ever. Him and Paul McCartney are definitely the greatest songwriting team ever, and it's. It's just interesting to me because, like, for overrated for me for music is they wrote all their own stuff. So if you're thinking of a band right. now, most of them don't even write any of them. I mean, they would write all their shit. And even Ringo Starr, George Harrison is the greatest guitar the ever. Their solo careers were fucking great, too. But I get what Nate's saying. Like, their sound, it, like, m- conventional music has left it so long ago. 
that it, it, it just feels like it's on an island. And he did acknowledge like how inventive and instrumental they were, pun very much intended, uh, yeah. to moving the music industry along. But sure, like, I could and, see... And like, I, I mean, and maybe that's where they should get more credit, and that's why they're, so, they're rated so highly. Um, but what would your mother say if she heard you say that? Because every everybody in our parents' generation loves the fucking Beatles. I've not met anyone that I might be in a grave right now. I don't know if I said that too. So, but I'm sticking to my guns. I don't give a fuck. But she doesn't listen to the pod, so we are good. Yep. (laughs) Show enough. Well, I'm gonna. I was gonna protest, but there's been too much of that, so I'm just gonna keep uh, reading these things. So, underrated. What's a band you feels underrated? This was a tough one. Like. There's a ton of, not to sound like, oh, fucking douchey, like, oh, I knew him first. But, like, I mean, there, there's a ton of, like, country artists and, like, things like that. They're, like, not a lot of people know about, so technically they'd be underrated. But um, two of the ones I, I wrote down is kind of the, <clears throat> they're kind of the same genre, but John Butler Trio and Dispatch, which. Oh, Dispatch for sure. Yeah. Horns knows a lot about Dispatch because I listened they're to that awesome. a bunch of college. Your, uh, was it your, some song at your wedding was Carry You, right? Uh, or that uh, played at your wedding maybe that's i was really uh, it was probably on the playlist yeah at some point yeah i don't know i don't remember much of that i was blacked out but um but yeah john butler trio is kind of the same he's it's like a he's uh australian and they have like a it's kind of like folksy rock um but like a mumford and son but more upbeat or what how would you just um, how would you compare it to Mumford and Son? That's like my baseline for folksy rock. Uh, Mumford and Son, but a little more raw. I know that sounds douchey, but... No, little, I love it. Yeah, a little more raw. This is how I want music described to me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like, so, a, like a steak. Right, well, where I don't really, I don't understand it, but I go, that one, yep. I've probably played you the song because I've literally... It's a YouTube video I watch online, like once every two weeks it's called ocean and it's john butler and it's in the studio and he's playing a 12 string guitar and it's just a complete solo it's long it's one no no. every time you play this at your house no one fucking talks and we no, you just sit there and watch it and he's like looping on his guitar and he's like one of the most gifted guitar players i've ever seen and it's insane because like like i said he's not that well known which isn't a big thing to him he just he's kind of like hippie hippie lifestyle and like that's just what what he wants to be but um, that's kind of like a huge genre that I like to listen to is like Dispatch and John Butler Trio kind of hit, I know hippie folk isn't like a genre, but you kind of get what I'm saying. But it kind yeah, of I is. love, I love that we're doing this because Jeff checks our, uh, like our stats. And if we go down in fucking England, Jeff will blame me, but you know what? Thurman said the Beatles were over it. So nothing <laughs> I've ever said about the English is that just, dis- he's like, well, that's what a bloody he's punk. He's like Thurman. Taken to piss. Oh, you taken to piss. I mean, come off it. Hey, good pub. Hey, bad pub. There's no there's no bad pub. What was the saying? Bad pub is yeah, good pub. Yeah, All publicity is good publicity. All right. What is a band or artist you love? So going on the list, all these are tough because I could fit like multiple things into these. And so it this may not be 100% true, but I know this is kind of like, not to sound super sensitive, but like, I just like felt like, oh, this should fit in here. But I love Mac Miller. So, mm-hmm. and I think this yeah. may be kind of dependent on his posthumous record that just came out this last year. I've been listening to that thing fucking nonstop. Like, 
I'll like skip through shit all the time on my music when it's coming on. Like if one of his songs from Circles comes on, his last album that came out, dude. And like you think about it more now because he's he's passed away, and like you kind of look into the meaning of the words more. But dude, his la- that Circles yeah. album is fucking phenomenal. But then it like you go back, a, yeah, sorry. like Blue Blue Slide Park and like all of his older songs, and he's done like collabs um, with uh, fuck I can't remember his name, but th- th- I mean there's just a countless number of songs that from his old stuff that are still great. Not to bring us down, but Nate brings up a good point. Like, and Matt has talked about this extensively, but like, art is probably the best expression of of oneself. Like, it's so much easier for these really talented musicians to put their words into lyrics. And like, if you listen to even like some of the really late Linkin Park shit, like Chester, mm-hmm. dude, yeah. he's mm-hmm. basically like telling you, he's like calling yeah. out for help. Yeah. Same with Mac Miller, I feel like. And it breaks your heart, but at the same time, you're like, God, dude, the talent that this guy or these guys had to still be able to like articulate that through their medium in their darkest of times is man. It's, and it's like I mean, not to keep beating a drum, but the Beatles, I mean, uh, John <laughs> Lennon I, on uh, the John, the ballad of John and Yoko, he kept saying, it's like the way things are going, they're going to crucify me. He kept saying yeah. over like he almost planned his death, but yeah, it's, it's very interesting. And it is sad too, that there's some, I mean, I'm a big Lincoln park fan. I love listening to Lincoln park when I'm working out. But it wasn't until he died that I'm like, dude, I need to go listen to Linkin Park again. And you almost forget how great some of these are. Now, I still don't understand why Donald Trump didn't use the song Donald Trump by Mac Miller he, as his I'm on Donald Trump shit. That, that <laughs> the very first day he walked out of the elevator, I'm like, dude, if he doesn't use that song, that is a missed opportunity. I'm telling you. Because it's a fucking banger. It is a good song. Listen to a uh, "Sorry for Now" by Blinkwin, or sorry, uh, not Blinkwin, Lincoln Park. Lincoln it's Park. one of their last songs, and Chester, it's like all over it, and it's it's good. I w- I don't want to say banger because it's a little more morose, but it it fucks. And that's the say. thing. Like previously, before his last album, Circles came out, like most of Matt Miller's shit was like upbeat and that style, but like like jokey kind of. Yeah, this this whole last album is like pretty slow but dude i like super got into it and I'm like i think it came out maybe early this year i don't know 2020 has been a blur who knows but within the past 12 months it came out and dude i'm still like i'm still digging he died like three two years, years ago, ago? Yeah, two or three yeah. years so what ago. do you have this album just on, on ice or something i mean it's just stuff he recorded and they finally okay. pol- polished up and released yeah Matt, but, you know we have movie commentaries from years ago that I <laughs> good that's, stuff. That's true. Like if I if I died today, we'd still have shit that comes out in like the next fucking three years. <laughs> yeah, I, that's true. I'm in the biz. I know how it works. Uh, that's awesome. What is something that made you fall in love with music, a band or artist? Um, Not so all yeah, work and no play. This <laughs> was a this was a this was a good one. I think this is kind of what uh, kind of opened me up to a lot of different music styles but and i mean i think people get shit on a lot for liking this band or this guy but dave matthews um because i mean like his style of playing and everything kind of opened up to like different things and especially listening to him live that's yes. like the no one of the best, best live bands thing. for sure and one of the best albums <clears throat> that maybe i've ever listened to is him and tim reynolds it's called live at luther college and it's those two it's basically an acoustic set and uh tim reynolds is an amazing guitarist and he's fucking genius he can make the guitar sing and say whatever it wants 
but um, some of the songs that they do together on there are fucking phenomenal. But that was kind of like in the earlier years of like really getting into music. But Dave Matthews would definitely be that one. So let me say this in defense of Dave Matthews. I have no problem with Dave Matthews. I actually really think he's obviously incredibly talented, and their live albums are oh, transcendent. Yeah. What I have a problem with is when the guy on my college dorm floor won't shut the fuck up about Dave Matthews. Yeah, yeah. Dave Matthews is the problem. Is Dave Matthews fans? One hundred percent for that, sure. That's the same with like Metallica. There's a lot of there's a lot of bands like that. It's yeah, but like their whole that, setup. They've got like obviously like the traditional uh, parts of the Grateful band. Dead fans are like that too. But then they've got the, don't ruin the band for me, you know. They've got they've got the the trumpet, they've got the saxophone in there, and the way they mix everything in um, is pretty phenomenal. And that's what kind of opened that's what me I, saying, I I've never been in I, like if they come on, I'll listen to them. They're not a band I ever searched for on Spotify, but they're always a band that I respected. That I'm like, dude, they, any like, and I've never played an instrument. I tried to pick up guitar, and I think that's why. I re- respect so many of these people so much because it's hard to play like if you can write your own music yeah. not only that like um you know Grohl does you know the guitar riffs the drum riffs it's not even the lyrics sometimes like i have tremendous respect for you and dave matthews i mean their band is definitely um instrumental in music so yeah, what sure. is something you can listen to over and over again all right so yeah for this one i mean dave matthews could obviously fall into this one but um one of the ones that I can listen to over and over again, and it like spans like even his newest shit and then stuff that came out probably early in his career around like 97, 98, 99 is, <clears throat> I think you might've had this on your list at some point. I don't know what it was for, but Eminem. Yes. That's, that's one of the ones. Fuck and yes. uh, dude, I mean, he has been great like since the very beginning and like even his latest out al- album, which is a little darker, but music to be murdered by, um, it's fucking I, great. Yeah, that I downloaded that. Good. Yeah, when I when I saw that come out, what a couple months ago, um, maybe even more than that. But dude, Eminem is just fucking phenomenal. I love his beef back and forth with all the rappers. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, anything pops up on my playlist that still has him. In, forgot about Dre. I mean, classic with him in it. Um, but yeah, Eminem for sure, from front to back, from all of his, uh, from all of his discography, I'll listen to it at any time. He uh he brings out the best a lot like I mean, Machine Gun Kelly's um rap devil I think that's the best shit he's ever done Machine Gun Kelly he actually brings out good stuff in other rappers when they do the beef tracks but man I'll tell you his first three albums like Slim Shady LP uh, Marshall Mathers LP the Eminem show there's not a bad track on those three albums and every fucking one of those encore which is encore is as- good too yeah. yeah now uh, recovery wasn't as good there was only a couple songs but. I mean, there's some uh, uh, Kamikaze, that album that came out a couple what? years ago that you just dropped at midnight was fucking great. What's with, uh, solid? Kamikaze is great. Yeah. Jordan Lucas is on it. Yeah. Yeah. He did what? the song for Venom, which I thought was really good. That was good. The What's movie the album good, where he but... did all the collabs? He did like one with Rihanna and one with um, yeah. Yeah. Marshall Mathers LP2. Uh, Fun, the guy from Fun, he did one yeah, with that... him. Yeah, Marshall Mathers LP2. Oh, that actually is the name of it? I think so. Like on the cover, it's got like a the picture of it, like an old wooden shack. I remember that. But yeah, Nate Roos. Nate, yeah. He does a cover with oh, Nate Roos. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, yep. Yeah, that song's called Headlights, and it's basically him apologizing Dude, to for cleaning out my closet. Such, such, a good, such a good song. And when Nate Roos thrown in there, who has a, such an iconic voice. 
and could not be more counter to what uh, yeah. Eminem's voice. Damn it! Is. I need to go back and listen to head- headlights. And how uh, it's a song. how he evolved though, like you know when he first came out with My Name is like okay, so he's like a Beastie Boys like kind of right. fun poking, and then with then the he's like, no, cheese. I can do artist shit. I'll do uh I'll do Stan. I'll do cleaning out my closet. I'll do Kim. I'm like, okay, damn, he could just do whatever the fuck he wants, pretty much. I mean, he, yeah, he, he threw his laundry out there for everyone to see. It was great. 100. I'd always ask guys... this question. Uh, sorry, go ahead, Jeff. No, you're good. I was just gonna say he like dares you to challenge him to try something else because he'll conquer. Mm-hmm. So in college, I'd always ask this question when I was really drunk or high. I'm like, hey man, our parents cried when John Lennon and Elvis died. I'm like, who are we gonna cry when someone dies? And I'd always answer Eminem. That's the only person I can think of in our generation that when they die, I'd be like, damn, really? Like we yeah. lost him? Because I, I remember, I mean, everybody, I don't care if you grew up in a great home or a broken home or whatever, you all listen to this Slim Shady LP and when you're fucking angry in middle school and just like did push-ups in your basement. You're like, God damn it. I fucking hate life. <laughs> yeah, and that, sure. that just captured that so well. Fucking love that answer. You're, I, you're starting to make me happy. You pissed me <laughs> solid. off. Solid. Here we go. <laughs> All right, what is something that you listen to that changed your life? Um, so this one, I think kind of, I put this one down, changed my life because it's something I still listen to. Um, their older, their newer stuff isn't as relevant, um, but when it came into my life, very formative years, and I listened to it for a long time, still do, but like I said, not, not some of their new stuff, but Blink-182, yeah. Um, so that'd be the one, I, like when they were writing the stuff, it was kind of, make a return. yeah, it was, it was, uh, very relatable. And like when you're listening to stuff, you kind of feed into it and, and really get into the lyrics. And, um, I mean, that was like the, that, and that was kind of the first band I really latched onto and like kind of identified with. Um, so that's, that's definitely why I put them on there at this spot. I think that the reason I love Blink so much is so our parents and the, the Beatles sort of, re- and I think Geiger will agree with this, the Beatles uh, represented like the cultural zeitgeist at the time, right? Like the fuck the establishment, we're going to change the world, this is what it's about. For me, on a much, much smaller scale, but a much more personal scale, Blink-182 was like my coming of age. Like in high school doing stupid shit, but figuring out who you are and like loving your friends to death. That's what Blink-182 sang about, and I think that's why I listened to them. And I was like, I know it's not as important as what was happening in the 70s and with, like, you know, the changing of the world. But when I listen to Blink-182, no matter where I'm at or how old I am, it reminds me of being 15 again and doing dumb shit and just feeling like I had the whole world in the palm of my hands. Yeah, Jeff, that was a really good comparison. I compare it to our parents, you know, 80s hair metal, like listening to Van Halen. People be like, oh, man, that's just stupid 80s hair. But that's not for you. That was for our parents' generation. And if the younger generation listens to Blink, like, man, that's just stupid 90s pop rock. I'm like, yeah, well, it wasn't made for you. It was made for us. So I definitely agree with you that it's a it's a certain time. You either get it or you don't type of band. Yeah. All right, Thurman. This is one of my favorite questions, too. What is your guilty pleasure? Something that you probably listen to your headphones at the gym that you hope <laughs> no one overhears. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, this one, it kind of throws back. I mean, a lot of these go back to your formative years, and you just kind of stick around to it. But um, dashboard confessional. Oh God! Hell yeah! You fucking hand jobs you get it with that song. Yeah, the back yeah, of your I'm, car. 
Jeez, yeah. Hey, screaming the... doesn't make you artistic, just so you know. Screaming and fidelity. If, if you picked up an acoustic guitar in high school, you tried to learn one of those songs because it, it would at least get you a blowjob. At least. Yeah. At least one, if not three. Uh, three chords, so that's where the trains. But yeah, I mean that'll still pop up, and yeah, I'll I'll listen to that privately in in the back of my house uh, when no one's listening. Um, but yeah, that one definitely tops the charts on my guilty pleasures. I hate to be like Andy Bernard, but whatever happened to those guys? <laughs> but I'm I may be close to Banner and like his movies. Like I don't have too many guilty pleasures of songs because like I said, like it started off with I I don't really hate much music like to the core so mine was Lannis Morissette I fucking love it. Jagged Little Pill I'll listen to that start to finish that was my guilty pleasure solid alright uh, best band or artist you've seen in concert now Nate has seen a ton of concerts so this is one that I'm interested to hear the answer to so this one and uh, <clears throat> this one is one I fell in love with in, in high school and saw him a couple times in concert and yeah, the energy with them is just so great, and they kind of feed off the Dave Matthews, just like put a fucking 10-minute solo in your song and just jam out to. Uh, but this is going to be OAR. Um, yeah. I love seeing them live. Your boys. Yeah. Um, and, and, they, and OAR could have fit into a ton of categories, but I knew I had to save them for this one because I love seeing them live. Um, they're built for live music, really. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And like I said, they're they're kind of modeled after Dave Matthews, and that's how like I kind of transitioned into OER. You can have a couple live albums, I believe. Oh, dude, 38, 38 and four, or thirty fourth yeah. and eighth, fucking phenomenal. Madison Square Garden, the twelve minute um, crazy game of poker. It's just um, yeah, Nate next- has played that for me multiple times at parties. And like, yeah, I love that stuff. I love like the live stuff and like the improv and like the solos and all that shit. Um, Mark Tom and, and Travis show was probably your favorite Blink album, right? Because the dude, bullshit you do in between. It's so good. And funny story about that. I just, I think uh, some you you two might know, but opened up my old iPod recently, and like, yeah, I have Mark Tom and Travis show, and like one one thirty second song will pop up on there, <laughs> song, and it's just them bullshitting, like put your tits away, you're thirteen years is that, old. Is that the shit piss cock fucker? Yes. Bus, shit piss yeah. cock 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 sucking motherfucker. Yeah, yeah. It's a good one. Turd and twat or something like Turd that. And yeah. Twat. Yeah, every offensive word, let's just throw them consecutively and laugh about it. Uh, but yeah, OER, great live, great vibes, and good stuff. What's a band you should have seen live by now? Um, so this is actually one of the ones I put on there earlier, but and I've had many opportunities, and I don't know why. Later in my life, I just haven't gone to concerts as much. Um, but Dave Matthews Band, I have not seen them live. Um, and they've been in the town I've been living in or close by many times over the past five or so years. And I've just never committed to go and seeing them. I don't know why. Sad day. That's a band that I shit on. But if you said, hey, uh, we can go see them live tomorrow, I'd be like, all right, I'll yeah. bring the beer. I'm in. Have you seen the Foo? Like no, I haven't. Mm-mm. You got to put them on the list. That's the great. Have That's... you, Matt? The Foo? The... Yeah. Twice, yeah. I seen him, yeah. I seen him in Kansas City. Then I saw him in Dallas during a rainstorm. And Dave Grohl's like, "Listen, I usually tell stories and have fun, but this is basically going to be a CrossFit workout. I'm going to play as many fucking songs as I can until this rainstorm hits and they get everyone out of here." And he did. Like he did not <laughs> stop. They all flew oh, into another, God. which I was kind of upset because I told my wife 
Because the fun thing, like you said, Thurman, going to concerts, like I want to hear stories. I want to hear solos that go into songs that aren't even theirs. Yeah. And stuff like that. And he just, I, it was because there was, I mean, if you've ever been down south in Texas, man, when they say it, it, it's going to rain, it fucking is. And it'll probably take it out. And I mean, he played a two and a half hour concert and probably played like 55 songs. It was Damn, insane. That's impressive. Yeah. Well, what a marathon. Yeah, yeah Nate, you must tight. be worn out. Weed is tight. Weed is tight. You have the sickest references, bro. <laughs> it's good stuff. Weed All right, well, Nate, thank you for providing us with your uh, music and movies of your life. There it is. Now, that's going to probably be our highest rated episode. Mine, Geiger, I'm not afraid to admit, in terms of YouTube, lowest views is my episode. So. <laughs> You you got lowered banners like his music. I didn't even hear of any. I don't know. He's like any of the them. controversial take where people are like, "What the fuck is Banner gonna say?" So I got so t- artistic. No one knows what he's talking about, so people are afraid to call it out. <laughs> Basically, people, yeah. I must just not get the genius, you know. All right. So before we leave the people for episode one twenty five, Geiger, what are your words of wisdom for our fans out there? Freeze your eggs and pull over for a marriage. Emergency vehicles with freeze rate. What was that? What was that last part? And actually, if you can do them at the same time, you're just yeah. saving, you're saving all of us time, really. It sounds Nate, like Geiger Nate should be not here, but no one's going to die on my watch. Not pulling over for emergency vehicles. Emergency vehicles. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it'd be funny if Banner ever got a ticket for not pulling over for an ambulance. That'd be like a TMZ story, like advocate for like the person that says wear your mask and they're not wearing the yeah, mask or something. Yeah, that'd be like Banner. Brian Banner, full of shit, apparently. All right, Nate, what do you want to leave the people with for episode 125? Um, man. That's a great question. Um, they got a lot of you tonight, so I feel like they know you more intimately now than they ever have. Yeah, don't don't judge me too much on my preferences and movies and music, um, and get your get your pet spayed and neutered. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. yeah, don't let your dog go fuck every dog on the block. That's not a good look. You don't me. want that responsibility. But you know, like, someone has to father those puppies. Yeah, do you want that blood on your hands? Oh, that's dark. What? But not unrealistic. <laughs> really, do people say, oh, that's dark to their own statement? <laughs> no. like, you know, sick it happens. All right, guys, thanks for listening to the bro Four squad podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at bro Four squad If you type in bro Force squad as three separate words in Letterboxd, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube, you'll find us. And then also type in broforsquad.com. That'll take you to our website with all of our content. Till next time, we'll see you at the movies or the next live concert that we're allowed to have, which is hopefully OAR. Oh, that'd be badass. I'm there. What is that actually an acronym for? I don't even know if I know. Of a revolution. Really? Oh, that's 100% correct, yeah. Don't don't question me on that. I absolutely yeah, no, know no, that. No, I know. Oh, well, the way you I thought Geiger was questioning me. Okay. I don't know if you were like fucking with the way you said it. No. Like, you know, take the video.